Hello, this is episode 198 and in it, I want to dive into something that I see cause a lot of issues for homeowners and it's happening even more now than ever. This is the whole topic of supplying your own fixtures and finishes for your renovation or building project. Now, many homeowners, they seek to save money in their building project by extracting specific supplied items from the building contract and they handle it outside. They And they organise to do this with their builder and they sign a building contract, whether they're renovating or building, that won't include these these specific supplied items. And so this means that they as the homeowner, they then go and they personally shop for, purchase and supply all or various fixtures and fittings for their reno or new build. Now, at the time of recording this episode in May 2021, we are dealing with huge demands on products, materials, trades and subcontractors. And so there are builders that are actually recommending to homeowners at the moment that they take care of their own supply items uh, when signing their contract. So I want to take you through the whole issue of supplying fixtures and finishes and also discuss the much held belief that you'll save money on not getting the builder to shop for you. And that you'll also get to avoid a builder's margin by paying for things yourself and supplying them outside of the contract. I'm going to be doing this topic over two episodes because it's quite a lot of subject matter and I want to do it justice. So this episode is part one of this conversation and be sure to tune into the next episode to listen to part two. And remember, you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 198. And that's the numbers 198. So be sure to do that so that you can review this episode as needed. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014. And it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future one that is sustainable and affordable and that helps you live a great lifestyle both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com 
forward slash project plan. And that's project plan spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. That's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. Take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop. And now let's get on with the episode. Here we go. It's really interesting because I hear both homeowners and builders use a range of reasons for why it's better for the homeowner to supply their own fixtures and finishes. But first, let's talk through what I'm referring to when I say fixtures and finishes. These can be everything from your kitchen appliances, your bathroom items, your lighting, tapware, and all the other loose individual items that you can literally walk into a shop and you can purchase fairly easily over the counter as a retail customer. However, they can also encompass finishes such as bathroom tiles or flooring finishes and other applied finishes. And they can go right through to the complete kitchen joinery, bathroom joinery and other larger items such as the entire window package, for example. Of course, there's also the idea of hold tray packages too in that sometimes a homeowner may have a friend or a family member who's a plumber or an electrician and so they want to use them in their project and they want to incorporate them into the workflow to save money um, or to use as a preferred subcontractor. So now this podcast episode is going to focus more on the inanimate objects rather than the human ones. So we're going to be talking about the fixtures, the fittings and the finishes as opposed to the tradespeople. However, similar things do apply when you're considering uh, about, you know, using a specific person in your project and you're requesting that your builder leave that person and their work out of the main contract so that you can handle them, that person directly and you can manage their work personally in an effort to save cash on your project, which many people I know do when they've got family friends or um, family members who are specific trades. And as a side note, I've actually got a video Uh, that specifically relates to using friends and family in your projects. So I'm going to include a link to that in the resources so that you can check it out. Now, let's talk about the main reasons that homeowners and builders cite to pull out the supply of fixtures, fittings and finishes from the building contract and to make them the responsibility of the homeowner to source, purchase and supply. I'll take you through these main reasons and then we're going to chat about them one by one in more detail. So the main reasons that are cited in support of the homeowner sourcing your own fixtures, fittings and finishes are number one, being able to get exactly what you want in your home because you can choose and buy it from the places and the people that you want to. Number two, not having to pay for the builder to shop for you and generally avoiding paying the builder's margin. Number three, knowing that the items you want are in stock and available. Number four, being able to start on site sooner rather than later. Number five, being able to purchase things that are on sale or discontinued or end of line items and save serious money as a result. So let's go through these individually. And remember, I hear these suggested as positives by both homeowners and builders. So I'm going to talk about the reasoning about this uh, from both sides. I also want to remind you of the time relevance of this as well, because as I mentioned up front, we're in a a period of huge demand in residential construction where builders and projects are experiencing really big delays in supplies and subcontractors. Now, I've seen some projects waiting months and months for the delivery of timber framing, for example, tiles going from a 12-week lead time to instead, you know, we're not sure if and when they'll get here. And in addition, we're also seeing prices uh, rising. The The price rises, they're flying in with such regularity and, you know, both homeowners and builders are navigating how they're going to financially fund these increases. 
I've spoken to builders who share that they've booked subcontractors on jobs four months ago as part of, you know, starting their project and signing a fixed contract with a client. And now that subcontractor is actually due to start on site because the project's up to that point. And the subcontractor is now turning around and advising the builder that there's been an 18% or 20% increase in their quote. So some of these subcontractor packages can be things like roofing or glazing and so worth tens of thousands of dollars in value. And so an 18 or a 20% increase, that's actually a sizable amount of money. Now, in the next episode, I'll talk more about variations and what to be aware of because we're seeing time and cost variations being claimed in projects as a result of these scenarios. But in this episode, let's get back to these main reasons. So the first reason, the first reason uh, why homeowners are encouraged to source their own and supply their own fixtures, fittings and finishes is that they're then able to get exactly what they want in their home because you as the homeowner, you can choose and buy it from the places and people that you want to. So let's break this down because many homeowners who are doing custom new homes or renovations believe that regardless of who is purchasing a fixture fitting or finish and whether it's inside the building contract or not, that they should be able to get exactly what they want in their home. That's the whole point of doing a custom project, isn't it? Well, not always. Some builders do have preferred supplies that they work with and so they won't enable homeowners to select from anyone other than those preferred suppliers. And some builders have preferred suppliers for specific finishes and fixtures, but then they might have flexibility in other selections. And then there's other builders who are happy to source finishes and fixtures from any supplier that you want them to. So why do some builders have and use preferred suppliers? Well, this happens for a variety of reasons. Now, builders and their ability to deliver projects with confidence and certainty that they'll meet the stipulated timelines and costs, that actually depends on the reliability of the companies that they're working with. So some builders, they've worked really hard to establish relationships with preferred suppliers that they can then rely upon to deliver the service required and get the products to them on time as needed. Now, those supplier relationships, they can also extend to pricing. So if a builder is doing a certain volume of work each year, then they may be able to negotiate lower prices with suppliers as a result. Or at the very least, they can lock in prices for a decided period of time, which can then help them buffer themselves and your project from the ever-increasing prices that can, they can literally come through every couple of months in this industry. Now, another reason that builders will have preferred supplies that they work with is due to the quality of sales and service, including after-sales service. I don't know about you, it just feels like that a lot of the companies we deal with these days, they're really just delivering the lowest level of service that they can get away with. My husband and I, we regularly have this conversation about how shocking this is. You know, we all just seem to be getting conditioned to expect so little from those that we spend money with and that we work with. And it seems that the larger the company, you know, the more they try to get away with treating their customers poorly because they just know our options are limited in where else we can go. It's seriously infuriating and frankly, it's pretty wearing on a daily basis. And it might be your phone company, you know, who else has lost hours of their life that they'll never get back in roundabout conversations with Telstra that make you want to avoid jumping on the phone with them about anything. Or it might be your car warranty or your home insurance. Uh, Look, it blows my mind because, you know, in that kind of environment, it really doesn't take a lot to give a client great service and help. 
seriously, because we've just come to expect so little. And when you do lift the game and you give a client a better experience, the loyalty and the ambassadorship that they give you in return is huge. I mean, step up, companies, step up. <laughs> Sorry, I, um, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I just, yeah, it's just something that seems really really incessant these days, just the standard of service that we are being pushed to accept. So you can imagine, you picture you're a builder and you're dealing with this in the day-to-day delivery of your projects, trying to make your business, you know, continue and grow. These are projects that you've committed to contractually with homeowners. They're trusting you with their life savings or mortgages to deliver the building that they'll call home for years to come. So of course, you're going to want to work with suppliers who won't stuff you around or who won't force you to follow up on the phone over and over again, or are going to be difficult to get help from if something happens during your build or after the home is finished. So that can be a definite reason why home why builders do create relationships with preferred suppliers. Now, another reason that builders may have preferred suppliers, it can be associated with just simply how they order items. So For example, your project, if it's a normal residential new home or renovation, there won't be a lot of storage area on site generally. And so it can be handy for builders to work with suppliers who are actually willing to hold stock at their warehouse or facility and will keep the order aside until the builder is ready to have it delivered. And so this enables the builder to know that it's going to be available when it's required and they don't have to worry about storing it somewhere themselves to have certainty around this. The other order issue can actually be to do with payment terms. So depending on the contract that you're working in, builders will not be able to charge you until after they've ordered something for your project. And so if they then have payment terms with suppliers that delay their payment until later, that can mean that they can get a progress draw to you and they can get your payment for that item closer to the time that they have to pay the supplier. And so that can help with cash flow overall and them not being out of pocket for extended periods of time whilst they wait for your bank or for you to pay their latest progress draw. So as you can see, some builders may find that working with any supplier can just be a bit of an unknown quantity that can cause headaches in their project workflow. And so they might have made a decision to limit it or just to avoid it altogether in their business and projects and only work with supplied, uh, with preferred suppliers. So what is the upshot of all of this? Well, if you're planning on having a renovation or new build where you can choose exactly what you want from where you want to get it, then it's going to be important to discuss that with any builder before you sign a contract with them. You need to establish whether the builders that you're speaking to, whether they insist on working with preferred suppliers and if you'll be actually required to make your selections from those suppliers. And then if you are required to, then you want to do your homework to see if those preferred suppliers have a similar version or a suitable alternative to, uh, to the things that you're looking at that you'll then be willing to use instead. Now, if there's something specific that you do want to use, it might be a one of a kind light fixture that's coming from overseas, or it might be a specific, you know, encaustic tile that you've sourced from a secondhand supplier, then just make sure that you discuss it with any builder that you're speaking with. They may be able to include a one-off happily, as long as you can get them all the order and specification details so they can actually order it accurately. Or perhaps if you're willing to buy it early, Um, through them but uh, that you're willing to actually commit to that decision and buy it early and then store it yourself so that they know it can be delivered well ahead of when it's needed then they might be amenable to that. So don't be afraid to consider though the preferred suppliers that a builder may insist on working with. 
There are some suppliers who will only work with trade and industry clients and that you'll ne- you will never be able to access personally as a retail client. And you may be able to achieve some cost savings by working with those preferred suppliers as well. One of the things that we actually talk about inside the Interior Design 101 online course that I have, and we also touch on it in the podcast episodes in season 11 of the podcast, which is our Interior Design Basics season. It's this idea of getting an overall picture of all of your fixtures, fittings and finishes and how they're going to work together holistically uh, and really creating that overall overall scheme that pulls together all of your ideas and, and sits together really well. And then what you seek to do is have a little bit of flexibility so that you can substitute in alternatives where they might be needed based on supply issues that you might be having or even budget management if you need to source something that's less expensive as you're moving through your project. Because, you know, frankly, you may be planning your project for years and in that time you may experience specific products being discontinued or increasing dramatically in price. You know, for example, at the moment, the whole engineered stone industry is going through a big shakeup due to the impact of silicosis and the requirements for safe work and installation practices. Dry cutting of this material is actually banned and there's talk of potentially banning the material altogether if sufficient safety can't be achieved with the current practices. And I've popped some links in the resources to articles uh, that I've recently read if you want to learn more about this yourself. You know, you just need to understand that things change and so that product or that finish that you fell in love with three years ago, it just may not be available for your project. And if you factor this into how you make your selections and create your interior and exterior finishes schemes, then that will help you in the long run overall. Now, don't forget, you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 198. That's the numbers one, nine and eight so that you can keep this uh, information for your notes and for your records and you can refer back to it later. Now, let me talk about the next main reason that's given for you as the homeowner sourcing your own fixtures, fittings and finishes and this is, is given both by builders and by homeowners and it's this one. Not having to pay for the builder to shop for you and generally avoiding paying the builder's margin. You'd think that it's only homeowners talking about this but I'm seeing builders suggest it as a good reason for pulling items out of their contract but they're perhaps not educating homeowners why they're recommending this or they're also not understanding their own responsibilities and business operations either. And so let me explain more about this. Now, ideally, when you're working with a builder in the lead up to creating your building contract and all the associated documents, and you'll have heard me tell you before that I suggest you're finding finalizing all of your selections as part of this process. This will actually ensure that those items that you're selecting are being priced and they're being specified in the contract as actual items not just as provisional sums or PC items or allowances that can change as your project rolls out. So let's talk about one item in particular to give you an example. So for example, your kitchen tap. So say you've decided you want a specific tap. Now it gets specified in your contract, but the price point that's listed on your contract, it's higher than the amount that you've been quoted personally by the company that you've spoken to. And so you think, I'm just going to buy that myself and I'm going to give it to the builder when they need it and I'm going to save that margin and any of the hidden costs that I think are in there. Um, I'm just going to save that in my contract and I'm just going to get that tap myself and pay for it directly. And then you start inevitably looking at what else you can do that with in an effort to save money in your project. 
because you say to yourself, well, I'm perfectly capable of shopping for items and I can pay for them myself. So why should I pay for the privilege of someone else doing this for me if I have the capacity or the inclination to do so? However, the margin that you're paying, it's not simply to cover the builder's shopping abilities. It actually covers a lot more. And frankly, there are builders who don't understand this either, or they don't price things sufficiently to cover this margin. So if you're a builder or a homeowner, please listen closely when you, when I, as I take you through what that margin is actually paying for. This margin, it gets added to everything in your project. And firstly, it's covering the building business's overheads. So running a building business, it can can involve a lot of administrative costs. You know, even the smallest operation can have significant overheads in running vehicles, uh, purchasing and maintaining tools, paying for utilities, websites, phones. Plus, there's also the support staff to deal with accounting and the administrative side of the business. There's software and hardware costs. You know, most builders and homeowners, they mistakenly think that a margin of 10% will financially cover these overheads. But in my experience of working with builders inside their businesses, it's likely to be more anywhere between 12 and 18%, depending on the building business type and the structure. That's just to pay for them to run the overheads of their business. Now, in addition to that, there's also going to be the time cost of not only ordering the item, but also the pre-notification that items are tracking on time, plus following up regularly to ensure that items are going to get to site when and how they need to. So, for example, when a builder actually sets out their schedule for a project, they're going to put reminders at specific points prior to an item or a person needing to be on site. And then they're going to make up follow-up calls that everything is still on track so that they won't be unexpectedly delayed when that item or person is needed. And so that's all part and parcel of them putting that margin on that item is to do all of that administrative work to make sure it gets to site on time. Now, there's also a profit margin. Please, you want your builder to make a profit in their business because you want them to have a sustainable, strong business that will be around for the long term. Because you want your house to be around for the long term and builders who are thinking long term about their businesses are thinking long term about the homes that they build too. They're thinking about the warranties they offer and being around to honour them and that's what you want for your home. So a profit margin will also be included in the supply of your fixtures and finishes. Then there's also this idea of warranties that when you include an item inside a builder's contract, it will actually be covered by their warranty. So take that item of a kitchen tap that we mentioned earlier. You go ahead and you decide to pull it out of the contract because you're totally okay to choose it and to pay for it yourself. But what happens if that tap is delivered late to site and it delays other work? What happens if it turns up and there's a part missing? Uh, And so You have to reorder that part, get that part delivered and the plumber as a result has to come back another time because they weren't able to install it when they were scheduled to. What happens if it turns up on site but then, you know, some of it or all of it gets stolen or it goes missing? What happens if you, uh, when you organise to get the tap, that you don't also organise to get the manufacturer's installation recommendations and you don't supply them to the plumber and then the tap gets installed incorrectly and it voids its warranty? What happens if once it's installed, then the tap gets damaged or breaks? Who's responsible for replacing it if you supplied it? 
What happens if after you've moved into the house, the tap fails or breaks and in the process, it damages your kitchen joinery and your bench top? Now, if you've purchased and supplied that tap, then you're going to be responsible for the tap and you're going to have to contact the supplier. But you're also going to be responsible for the delays that it causes and the extra cost that it incurs and delaying any other work overall. And if it fails and damages other items, then your supplier warranty may cover the tap itself. But who's going to cover all the other things that might need to be fixed or worked on in the process of replacing the actual tap? It can just get really, really messy. And if you add to that, that if you're working with a builder who doesn't proactively schedule their projects uh, or just purely because they're not ordering things themselves, they're not super diligent about timing things overall, this is what can often happen. You'll actually get a call the day before an item is needed on site or the day that it's needed on site. And then you've got to rearrange your life to ensure that that item that you've said that you're supplying is going to get delivered on time to site so that the builder has it inevitably those calls they'll come at times when you're super busy with a full plate of other demands on your time so any builder who says that all you're paying for is for them is for them to do the shopping they are either not properly running their projects or they're not fully valuing the responsibility and liability that they take in supplying the products as part of their contract or and this is actually more common at the moment especially with the delays that we're experiencing is that they are totally aware that ordering and supplying products may create issues in timing and that they may also experience price rises in a contract. And so they're trying to delegate responsibility associated with all of that back onto you as the homeowner and away from them. Because if they do that, if they can delegate responsibility to you for these items, then that's actually going to help them manage their project risk. And to be frank, there's nothing really wrong with them doing that. But it can put you in total hot water if you have no idea what you're taking on when a builder suggests this or if they're actually being sneaky in trying to get you to agree with it without you being aware of what it's going to involve. Now, if they're open and they're transparent about why they want you to manage the risk of supplying your own fixtures and finishes and then you agree to it, then you can do so in an informed way. However, what concerns me is that many homeowners are doing this either because they think it's a great idea themselves or because a builder is suggesting it as a great idea and they have absolutely no idea of the risk that they're exposing themselves to. I've talked about this topic at length before and particularly on Undercover Architects social media and I've talked about the problems that can happen when homeowners pull the supply of fixtures and finishes out of their contract and also about my concern that builders are recommending this to their clients as well. And <laughs> interestingly, I've had a, quite an incredible range of responses that I thought I'd share with you so that you can see the experience from others uh, responding to these these comments. So when I suggested that uh, builders are suggesting this to homeowners that they should source their own fixtures and finishes and pull them out of the con- of a, out of the contract, one builder actually commented on the post that uh, he thought it was completely reasonable and quite business savvy given the extraordinary materials and PC item shortage that has no clear end in sight at the present. Um, And the thing is that, and I'll explain more about this uh, in our next episode, in the second part of this conversation, there are actually contract mechanisms to help builders and homeowners in this area, but only if the item, the supplied item, is sitting inside the contract because then that's only when the contract conditions apply to it. So, for example, you know, you as a homeowner, you can't claim an extension of time if you delay the project 
due to your inability to get a fixture or finish to site on time if you've taken on the responsibility of supplying it and it's outside of the contract. Now, unfortunately, far too many builders, they don't execute their contract properly with variations and extensions of time. And so they'll inadvertently be in breach of contract when experiencing delays in supply. And some builders may be aware of how to execute their contract, but they just prefer to manage their own risk. And so they hand this responsibility of sourcing and supplying over to the client who is then forced to take care of this area of the project and perhaps isn't fully aware of what they're taking on in this process. Now, it's interesting. I also had another builder tell me this and I'm going to read through what they wrote. It's um, it's a long comment, but it's really worth listening to um, because it's from a builder's point of view about this issue. So they said, in my experience, it is always our preference that we as the builder purchase fittings and fixtures. Occasionally we get clients who want to do so themselves, but in our experience, it can lead to issues down the track. You live and learn. One small example, we had clients supply basins on one job as they requested to. Perhaps they came from a supplier that we don't deal with. What could go wrong, you think? It's just a basin. Okay, we will allow it. Once the house was built and finished, the clients complained of mould on the bottom of the basins. At our cost as the builder, we returned and cleaned it off and we had the rep out from the company who made the basins who assured us there was no issue with the product. It wasn't clear at this point that the basins were the problem. The clients, of course, were worried that there was something wrong with the bathroom, the ventilation, etc. So as the builder, the problem became ours to rectify. The mould reappeared and we did some things like uh, perhaps put in a stronger exhaust fan, maybe even a vent in the side of the vanity. I can't remember if that was actually done or it was just discussed. We ended up getting a mould specialist out. This was all still at our own expense as the builder. When we couldn't find a cause, we ended up going to our supply of plumbing fixtures and getting a different basin that fitted the hole just in case. That was the end of the problems. Down the track, we discovered there was an issue with those basins. We never got back all the money that was spent looking for the cause of this mould that turned out to be dodgy products supplied by the client. So for us as the builder, we find it's in our interest to supply things ourselves from suppliers that we trust who warrant their items and provide good after-sales service. Had that been our supplier, they would have come out and likely replaced the basin, although their products are high quality, so it probably never would have happened in the first place. Big issues can be caused by trying to save a few dollars or getting around paying the builder to source and supply products, even although it may seem easier in the beginning. And uh, a homeowner also said this. So this is really interesting from the other point of view from the homeowner's side. So um, she said that every scenario you mentioned, so that was in regards to me talking about the fact that they'll call you the day of or the day before, uh, that they won't proactively manage their timelines, those kinds of things. So she said, every scenario you mentioned happen happened on my first and only thus far build. Originally, the builder said he was happy for us to make different choices from different vendors and that they would be organised by him, but this amendment wasn't specified in the contract. He then insisted that we bought the items ourselves, kitchen appliances, toilets, tapware, bath, tiles, etc. And that's then, then that's when there were, there were problems. I received phone calls on the day that items were needed with no warning whatsoever and had to constantly rush around either organising delivery, most times paying a pretty penny for a quick delivery, or I had to pick up the items myself. And if there were problems with the items, I had to sort them out and bear the brunt of the builder's ire, even with issues that weren't directly related to the items that had been purchased separately. 
It was disastrous and it made the build exponentially more difficult. Thanks again for drawing attention to possible issues. Should I build again, I would certainly approach the process very differently. So you can definitely see where the issues can lie from both sides of the equation, from both builders and homeowners. This is the thing about working with builders and understanding building contracts. The builder, as the authority and the industry professional, has the responsibility to understand their contract intimately, to educate the client about the contract and the process and the obligations for both parties, and then ensure that there's open and proactive communication as they execute the contract. And unfortunately, many builders don't do some or any of these things. I know there are so many builders out there who don't understand how to execute their contract. They don't create project schedules. They're running poor performing businesses where bankruptcy is one job or even one delay away. And they can't explain to the homeowner what the clear responsibilities are in any project. They also don't price their jobs with appropriate administrative or overhead margins to be profitable or cover the true value and cost of being the party responsible for construction and post-construction. And they don't create contracts that help them manage the risks we are currently experiencing. It is incredibly challenging what's happening in the industry in delays and consistent price rises that are coming through thick and fast. And there's a very real threat to many building companies, both large and small, who signed up fixed price contracts late last year and then are now either A, they're going out the back door because their contracts have no mechanism to pass on these price rises or delays, or B, they're dealing with homeowners who'll just not be able to afford all the incoming variations to get their homes finished. There are many homeowners who've already signed building contracts thinking that they'll be fine just because they signed a fixed price contract. However, just because it's fixed price does not mean you won't end up paying more. It's essential that you understand your contract in detail, that you see what can trigger a variation and where you might see price rises actually being passed on to you to deal with financially, even inside a fixed price contract. So I'm going to talk about this more in part two in our next episode. Frankly, though, it's very concerning what might lie ahead for many building companies, large and small, in the current climate. Home Builder has not helped matters at all. And whilst it's benefited some for whom the timing and the property valuations worked out, for many, it's actually been the very reason that they've done their project because their project affordability was previously out of reach. And so they've raced to meet deadlines in order to be able to access Home Builder. And I really do worry that in 12 to 24 months time, we're simply going to have a lot more poorly built, poorly designed homes that just could be delivered in project home business models, which actually suited the home builder format of deadlines. And I suspect we're also going to have a bunch of half finished projects where builders went out of business or homeowners simply couldn't afford the variations coming their way in material, trade and product price rises. Now, in most locations, builders and other industry professionals are saying that they've never seen it like this. They've never seen it this busy. I know too that there's homeowners who are waiting, who are holding back to see if the prices come back down or the supply issues are resolved. I'm not sure how long you're going to be waiting. I'd love to have a crystal ball on this. Unfortunately, I don't though. I do, however, believe that one huge way to improve this industry is to put knowledge back into the homeowner's hands, that is your hands. Because then you can demand far better from our industry than many of you are currently being delivered. And I find that when you can access the education you need, it's incredible how much better your experience can be and how much more empowered you are, plus you're significantly better clients as well. 
I am also super passionate about bridging the gap between builders and designers and architects and helping homeowners find the great operators in the industry. So we can really elevate the professionalism and the performance of the industry overall. There are so many operators in the industry doing great work and I really want to help you as homeowners have sufficient information to ask the right questions and to find those good operators. And right now, more than ever, you want to be working with financially sustainable, financially stable, financially sensible industry professionals, ones who diligently manage their business cash flow, who understand their contracts intimately and who really prioritise proactively keeping you informed throughout your work with them. I'm going to be back in the next episode, which is part two of this topic, to talk about the other three main reasons that homeowners and builders recommend that you as the homeowner supply your own fixtures, fittings and finishes. So just to remind you what those three reasons are, there was number three was knowing that the items that you want are in stock and available. Number four, being able to start on site sooner rather than later. And number five, uh, being able to purchase things on sale or discontinued or end of line items and save serious money. So some of the information that I've already covered in this episode, it's going to apply to these reasons as well. However, there's also other things to consider and I'm going to go through these in the next episode. Plus, I actually want to spend some time going through some specific contract terminology to highlight areas to be aware of in your contract definitions and execution. Even in the best of times, builders and homeowners can struggle with executing a contract properly and consequently, either party can be in breach of the contract very quickly and easily. And now with the delays in materials and products plus the trade shortages, you're going to need to be across your contract far more diligently and ensure it's being properly followed. So I want to spend some time diving into that in our next episode. Remember, you can grab a full transcript of this episode. It's a meaty one, so you might want to go do that. It's a free PDF download. You can head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 198. That's the numbers 198. Be sure to grab it. You can save it into your files to refer back to later, whatever stage you're at in your reno or new build journey. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.